This is an Amos On The Go podcast. I'm Bill Klaproth, and with me is Dr. Thomas Dodson, who is here to discuss the JOMS Guide for Authors and Peer Reviewers. Dr. Dodson, thank you for being here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you this yeah. morning, Bill. Thank you so much. Great to see you. So first off, what is your personal background and what led you to work on the Journal of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery, or as what we're calling J-O-M-S? Very good. Thank you. I can tell you, quite frankly, that I never woke up one morning with an epiphany that my goal was to become the editor-in-chief no? oh. of the Journal of Oral and Maxillofacial when Surgery. When you were a, a little tyke at <laughs> nine years old, you didn't be like, I'm going to be the editorial manager of JOMS someday. That is correct. Okay. That is correct. It's a, <laughs> a story that sounds good in retrospect. But So in college, I was an English major, which gave me the opportunity to get exposed to some critical thinking and critical writing, then went off into dental school. And at the end of my dental school, I had the chance to go to the Harvard School of Public Health and get a public health degree. But during that time, I was exposed to quantitative methods that we use in patient-oriented research, things like study design and biostatistics, and then went off and did my residency. And at the end of my residency, I had an opportunity to do the fellowship in clinical epidemiology, which really helped to cement a foundation in clinical research. And based on that background, I had the opportunity to do research, publish a number of papers. In fact, the very first paper I wrote was accepted without revision. So I'm thinking to myself, this publishing stuff is really easy. My next manuscript got published without revision was my 100th. Oh, you're right. So, mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah. I had a lot of chance to practice you know, writing and doing research and things like that. So, But I think that background helped to lay a foundation for my becoming well, first um, a member, first as a reviewer sure. of the journal, and yeah. moving on to be the section editor for research in the journal I was in the early 2000s. And for about 11 years, I was the associate editor for the okay. journal until I became the editor-in-chief this out last January. Wow. So your background really has led you to this position. It's kind of interesting how your education and background got you to this position. Yes, and it wasn't without a lot of pre-planning. It just sort of <laughs> happened as... It happened organically. It happened actually as, quite organically. As many things in life do. It just kind of flows and you follow the path and here I am kind of a thing. Absolutely. So, so can you explain the importance of the journal to the future of OMS? Absolutely. So every specialty has its core clinical components that really characterize what a specialty is. And the way you demonstrate that knowledge and expertise is through your clinical care, but also through research. And I would argue that the Journal of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery is the vehicle by which we disseminate and distribute the information about research. I would say within oral and maxillofacial surgery, our core competencies are dental-alveolar surgery, temporomandibular joint surgery, orthognathic surgery, and reconstructive surgery. And we have not just good clinical experience and expertise in that area, but we've really documented our expertise within the journal itself. As our specialty evolves, we've been moving into other areas as our scope has gotten broader, and we have moved into areas of cosmetic surgery, surgical oncology and reconstruction, and pediatric craniofacial surgery. And again, we just can't claim expertise in that area. We actually have to demonstrate expertise in terms of both our clinical care but put a stamp on that activity through, through research that we do. And I would say that we've had a very good experience with uh, surgical oncology and reconstruction in terms of establishing expertise through research. But I think we also had a pretty good exposure to our research in pediatric craniofacial mm-hmm. surgery. I would say that our weakest area of research is cos- cosmetic surgery. Okay. 
And it would be interesting. I'd like to see more articles coming to the journal in, in, in that area as well. Again, just to put a, a stamp on our expertise yeah, in that area. Absolutely. Is it fair to say the journal is foundational education for an OMS? I think it's a component of the foundation of OMS. I think there's a lot of didactic work that needs to get done to lay the groundwork, I think, in order to be able to consume the information that's distributed with uh, JOMS. I'd like to think that JOMS is really the state of the art in terms of the research activity, but you still need to have a foundation established in order to appreciate the sort of the incremental gains in knowledge. So, okay, got it. So then what is the JOMS guide for authors and peer reviewers? What, What is that? Sure. Well, let me just step back for a second. Let me just read what the mission is for mm-hmm. JOMS. Yeah. The mission is to curate, shape, and promote excellent scientific research that informs the knowledge base and clinical practice of oral and maxillofacial surgery and supports the clinical, educational, service, and research activities for AAOMS and the Canadian Association of OMS members and membership. And with that as our role, we're trying to curate and promote scientific excellence. And core to that is the peer reviewer. They are the backbone of the journal. We've got an excellent editorial board, excellent section editors, I would argue excellent associate editors and an Mm editor-in-chief, but our backbone is really our reviewers. Mm -hmm. And the role of the reviewers are really to help us to identify articles that are within the scope of the journal, articles that have topics of interest to the membership, articles that have a good scientific basis. Now, one of the things that I introduced or modified fairly significantly this last year when I became editor-in-chief was rewriting the guide for the authors. Okay. And the purpose of that guide was to really accomplish two things. One is to promote excellent scientific writing, but equally to help with readability of the journal. Okay. Okay. So I think manuscripts that follow the guide for authors are both going to be have good scientific integrity, have a logical organization, and be accessible to most readers in in a really logical, readable format. And I will say that that guide has generated a little bit of controversy in the sense that there's been some criticism that the guide for authors is too rigorous. So that's why you're making it easier to read or easier to digest? The guide for authors, I believe, if it's followed, does make the articles easier to read and easier to digest and more accessible. In fact, Truth is, many people only read the abstract, <laughs> and I've actually worked, so I've worked really hard to sort of structure an abstract, so if that's actually all you read, you should be able to get a pretty good sense of the manuscript. And you know that in writing the abstract, that most people are going to read this, so we've got to get this right. We've got to get that right, because that may be the only thing they consume. So, okay. Yeah, well, that's absolutely. really interesting. I love how you said the JOMS is there to curate and promote scientific evidence, kind yeah. of as an overall mission yes. of what you're trying to do. Yes. So it seems like then for an Amos member, they would want to become involved in the journal. So how and why should an AMS, an AMOS member become involved in the journal? Well, as I alluded to, the journal is out there to serve the membership, but it needs the input from the membership as well. And as such, I would really encourage pretty much anybody to become a reviewer for the journal. And I think there's an impression that the only reviewers that are out there that are out there should be those that are in academic oral and maxillofacial surgery. But I would counter that argument with I think that the private practitioner has their own vision, their own filter of the world, and they're being involved in being reviewers as well, I think is is mission critical to really getting a sort of a 360-degree view of a manuscript and a view of the specialty. So their perspective is valued. Absolutely. And needed. And needed, correct. 
so that's why you're looking for people to become reviewers. reviewers. Yes, whether they're in academic oral and maxillofacial surgery or in private practice. Right. Yeah. Then there's also a bias that we're only looking for publications and articles from academic centers, but we're absolutely looking for input from the private practitioner as well with the qualifier, which is that it has to be good research that's well-written, and there's no reason why someone in private practice can't do equal, equally good research as people who are in uh, academic centers. Yeah, well, this has really been interesting to talk about this. Anything you want to add, Dr. Dodson, about the JOMS or Guide for Authors and Peer Reviewers? Sure. I'd like to just touch on one issue, which is there's been a perception that with the rewrite of the Guide of Authors that it's become too rigorous and too critical. And I would make the argument, well, I will say that our acceptance rate is a little bit lower than it has been historically, but about 12% of the articles that are submitted get accepted. But if you look at other journals like uh, Journal of the American Medical Association, they're actually at 8%. Mm-hmm. So, but I would make the argument that sound research that's written, that aligns with the guided authors, has a very high probability of being accepted. Again, the purpose of the guide for authors is to structure your manuscript in a logical manner to make it easy to read. And I would make, I'd also say that if you send me an article that doesn't have a background sentence in the abstract, that doesn't tell me what the study design is, doesn't nicely describe what the sample is, fails to describe what the variables are, has the data analysis section missing, it's not ready for prime time. Right. And all those things are detailed quite thoroughly in the Mm -hmm. guide for authors. So if you spend the time and invest the time preparing. It's there to help you with, yeah. It is absolutely there to help you. Scientific writing is not creative writing. The creative process happens during the research. The presentation of that information can be in a relatively standardized, logical... Straightforward type of a... Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. Well, Dr. Dodson, this has been fascinating. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the invitation, Bill, to be here, and I've enjoyed it very much. Yeah, and I know this is really important because you want people to register as a reviewer for JOMS, so they can visit editorialmanager.com slash YJOMS, right? Okay. And they can also send an email to joms at amos.org. Perfect. So that's a good way to reach you, and I know that you are looking for reviewers. So not kind of a, yeah, if you want to do this, this is more of a, we need you. Let's Because this ultimately helps the specialty. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Well, again, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Dodson. Yeah. Pleasure, Bill. Thank you for the invitation to be here this morning. You bet, Dr. Dodson. And for more information in the full podcast library, please visit amos.org. That's A-A-O-M-S dot org. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it on your social media and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening.